Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with singer-songwriter Jonathan Butler. At the age of seven, the native South African began performing for segregated audiences. By 13, he was a teen idol and signed to a record contract. His first single was the first by a black artist to be played on white radio stations. By the mid-80s, his music was being heard in other countries, including America. In 1987, his song Lies would become a big hit and nominated for a Grammy. Other hits followed, Sarah Sarah, More Than Friends, and the gospel favorite, Falling in Love with Jesus. Butler would release a number of albums, and his music would become a staple on smooth jazz stations and he gained a strong fan base along the way. He's always infused much of his music with elements from his homeland. His latest project is no different. His new album, Ubuntu, not only had much of the sound of South Africa, but also a mindset. Hey, man, I've I've been a fan, as you know, from from day one, man. And, uh, you know, you just don't disappoint. Let's jump right into the the new project and it's interesting to me because I'd love for you to tell people what it's about because it's really the, the name is taken from a, a philosophy. Yes, it is. Yes, it is indeed. Um, you know, especially coming from South Africa, it, it, it it's a it's a philosophy that I've learned growing up um, with with people like um, the late amazing Desmond Tutu, who mm-hmm. I've had the privilege of meeting on many occasions, and it just kind of revealed Ubuntu as a movement, not and that's across the, you know, across South Africa, uh, in our community, and uh, um, and just him being the, 
the, the founder of the reconciliation movement in South, South Africa, which people thought was going to turn upside down. And it really showed me through him, I found Ubuntu to be something that was, it's just, it's within our community, it's in, the, it's in our society, and it's uh, humanity towards others, even in the face of what we've had to endure uh, from apartheid to segregation to economical uh, apartheid even now. But um, having having had the experience of being around Desmond Tutu, I, I felt, you know, this is the perfect time for me to express this movement. I think it's more of a movement than it is just a statement, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let me ask you this before we jump into that. I, I too, had the pleasure of getting to know uh, Bishop Tutu over the years. Yeah, yeah. He was truly, you know, some people you see and you yeah. think, oh, they can't be that way, right? Yeah. That's right. the facade they put on. For, yeah, for, right. You know, but he was an extraordinary man. What you saw, as the old saying goes, is what you got. You know, I, I'm around a lot of people. What's from the time I landed sort of here in America and, and uh, in the 80s, early 80s, people thought that about me. Like, how can you be so, like, you know, you, you know where you come from, you know what your country's been through. How do you handle, how do you rise above mm -hmm. all of that? And, and is it truly you? What we're feeling, is it truly you? What we're seeing from you? Uh, are you really this guy, the guy who embraces people, you know? And I think having left home all these years, uh, was one way for me to also open my eyes to see that the world I wanted to see was a united world. You know, when I left South Africa, it wasn't. And then uh, during making during the making of this album, Ubuntu, uh, pre-pandemic, and, uh, you know, because, you know, Marcus Miller, mm -hmm. we went to South Africa to make this album. So I, my first recording was in 73 when I was only 12. You know, so to go back in my 60s and make a record with the greatest producer of all and uh, and having him see, you know, that the world I wanted to see was a united South Africa. When I left, it wasn't that way. I was playing for different, you know, whites and then blacks. And, and you know, South Africa has different layers, coloreds, blacks, whites, and all of this systemic stuff that the, the, the Dutch the English uh, colonization. Uh, it's an interesting country. It's a beautiful country. The music that I make, it represents all of the people from, from that I come from. You know, uh, the Khoi Khoi people is really my tribe, is really my, uh, my connection with my parents. My father was from Liberia, Monrovia. My mother's Nikwa, so she's Khoi San. So I thought this is a kind of journey back, looking back and then, during this apart during this pandemic, I kind of a lot of things were triggering. Like you know, the the death of George Floyd was a huge trigger. The divided United States was a huge trigger for me, and I think that's how we sort of came through this process of making this album. You know, because I wanted to say everything I wanted to say uh, based on what I've seen living here now for almost what over twenty five years. And that's what I was going to ask you, Jonathan, the idea of coming from as you live uh, as a child through apartheid and understanding yeah. the division and what that means. Yeah. What would you tell before we jump back into the music? But what would you tell Americans who maybe aren't looking at this division in the way they should and what this country ultimately could be if we continue down this road? 
Well, it seems like it's a conversation that's been hiding, that's been in hiding, you know. And I mean, in South Africa, it was like a, 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 an, an uprising of, you could call it an uprising, mm-hmm. but it was a uprising that created a conversation uh, with the Dutch and the English and the Zulu and the Sutu and the Kosa. And it was, it was violent. It was, it was, you know, it was violent. But I felt, I felt here in America, there's this, either there's blind spots from whites, in my opinion. They have a lot of blind spots to what I've seen in South Africa. White privilege is literally in your face in South Africa, mm. even to this very day. You know, I mean, I always make a light comment to my friends. I said, man, these white guys knew how to carve out this country, didn't they? You know, look at us. We are living down here in the, you know, they threw us all against the ocean and they, they live up in the hill. So they, there's no way that you can escape it. But if you're a person like me, who feels the need to speak truth to power, I think nobody really wants to have a conversation. And as painful as it might be, I think for Americans, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a perfect time to have a conversation and to be really honest about it, you know, because I've literally experienced racism in this country towards me uh, in the last two years or three years. And I've been here almost over 20-something years. And so it really kind of, Wow, it was a wow moment for me when I was standing, you know, at Whole Foods of all places, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or in Napa Valley. There I was, you know, attacked by a, a dude who, who basically says black people don't tip, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. That's what he's saying. But it started a conversation. And I think if you want, if I can say anything to my black brothers and white and sisters here in this country, uh, you know, we we just got to stop being afraid to have a real conversation. And I think, and we have to stop worrying about whether our base or our fans are going to be affected by the fact that you really, really stand for something, you know? So mm-hmm. I really think, man, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think I I, I come from a country where, you know, Mandela, Tutu, um, you know, uh, all these guys, they 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 went to prison for this, and they stood up for it, and they 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 uh, they shared all of what they had. And and when you met them in person, you saw you saw much more of a light than you saw a heaviness. Yeah, man. That and that is the God's honest truth. I'm not. I've met so many people over the years, and you know we're all pretty much the same in my eyes. But those yeah. two men, yeah, there was something different. No, it's, it's about those two men truly. Uh, absolutely yeah absolutely yep go ahead now i i having met both guys i literally in in a way i I took what i took away from it was the the light their spirits were light even though they had gone through such heavy 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 struggles their spirits were light they talked about music i remember you know i take uh every year in october i take 40 americans to south africa to see my country and I'd show them, I show them everything. They eat everything, they hear everything. And when they go to the prison, you know, uh, to, to Robin Island, Island. they hear stories of uh, Mandela, uh, Walter Sosulu and all these guys discussing jazz, you know, it's discussing yeah. who's, who's Al Jarreau and uh, who's Jonathan Butler versus Old Clue. And, uh, mm-hmm. but he doesn't sound like he's from home. He's George Benson. So it's amazing that, it wasn't just that they were there. They also were in touch with what was happening in the real world outside, you know? You, you've, interestingly enough, always been able to marry 
your roots to your music. And throughout, you've always at least put one song, if not more, um, that really reflects where you come from. But it, 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 this album, and you talk about Marcus Miller, who's a genius. Yes. Um, this album, I think more than anyone that I can recall, really has a through thread on, in all the songs. Was that intentional? <laughs> Yes, I, it, it was intentional because I realized that there's an ancestral, uh, what, what I call an ancestral desire, an ancestral call, an ancestral connection, and that when I open myself up to that connection, it literally flows without me even knowing that I'm literally it, doing it. You know, I remember doing something for Marcus Miller on his album. He wanted me uh, a song called Sublimity. Uh, an amazing song. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I just want you to do your thing. Just do whatever, you know. And uh, um, and I said, oh, man. And when I played the song, he's standing right next to me. And I I, I, I just felt Cape Town coming right out of me, you know. Uh, the All the sounds and all the musicians that taught me when I was a little boy in South Africa that I had the privilege to to learn and to, to watch that came out. It, it's, the, it's the roots. Um, something happened also last, last three weeks ago. I was doing, uh, I had something, they did a tribute to Prince. And, um, you know, I remember Prince was very, uh, very popular among the whites in South Africa. So a lot of us did not really have that connection, you know, but I had to sing Purple Rain, you know. Mm. So they say, uh, they say, pick me for Purple Rain and then, so I was listening to Purple Rain all the time. And I was like, oh, my God, this is Prince. Nobody can do like Prince. No, there's no one. Mm -hmm. So uh, I get to the rehearsal and, and and Sheila E standing, you know, there. And Candy Dolph is there that worked with Prince. And, mm -hmm. and so she said, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? So I said, well, you know, I need to find Jonathan Butler in the song. So give me a minute. Give me a few minutes, and you know, and this is what this album Ubuntu means. It, it kind of, I, I went home. I really told Marcus Miller I wanted to go home and find Jonathan Butler. That's it. Yeah. You've been able to do that and also, um, you know, still marry other things to it. The, the, the one I think everybody's going to end up talking about is you, you take Stevie Wonder's Superwoman, Where Were You When I Needed You? Huh? Which is one of his, uh, you know, one of his fantastic songs. <laughs> but instead of just doing it, you do put your flavor and and your country's flavor on it. Yes. Did you have trepidation in that, or did it just come naturally? When the summer came, you were not around. Now the summer's gone, and love cannot be found. Where were you when I needed you? Last winter. Let me tell you, I never wanted to ever record a Stevie Wonder song mm -hmm. because he is—he is like my brother. Uh, he's like my my Berkeley College of Music. You know, uh, I studied Stevie's LPs. You know, when I was a little boy. I mean, I wanted to be this guy so much, and so it, this is a very surreal moment meeting him. You know, over the past years. So what? 
it was the first song that Marcus Miller picked, and I couldn't believe mm. it because he started the song in the studio with a very simple bass line, you know, just like a, a simple boom, And I was like, what is he playing? And he said, just follow me, man. Just play your guitar and follow me. And he said, and he said, stop. Do you know uh, when the winter came? You and I, and I said, yeah, I, I know all of it. He said, well, that's a song we're working on right now. So I was like, I had, a, I had my friend Togozo. She was in the next studio. And uh, Marcus said, maybe if we can get her, you know, if we can get her in here, she can do this little chanting you know, for us. And so it made me comfortable to do Stevie's song in a home way, in a South African way, and present it to him and say, Stevie, I got something to play you, you know? And so I sent it to him. I said, hey, you know, um, I got a call, a voice message from him the day, the next day. And he said, man, uh, he said, thank you for the gift you sent me this morning, you know? Uh, everything about it is amazing, you know? Uh, the violin, the singer, who, who's the singer that's singing mm -hmm. in the background? And so he really gave me his blessing. And uh, he ended by saying, if there's anything you want me to do, let me know. And I, that's all I wanted to hear him say. It's like, and he, you know, he graciously came and, and, and played, you know, we went to his studio and he played on it. And it just really, yeah, made my whole, uh, my whole year. Yeah, man, it's a it's a great rendition. You mentioned George Floyd uh, earlier in our conversation here. And you have a song on there that struck me um, because the way you deliver it, you know what you're talking about, yet it can escape you for a moment. It's so melodic. It's so, and then all of a sudden you realize, and it's called Our Voices Matter. Talk to me about the creation of that. It's, it's an extraordinary song. Our Voices Matter, the, the day that um, we all, the world saw the killing of George Floyd was the day I kind of had a, a a South African moment, you know, um, a, a, a moment of my country. And I thought, um, I wanted to write a song, you know, and I spoke to, uh, I believe, yes, I remember I was on the phone with Dave Cars about something and it, it was about the very subject of the George Floyd. And you talk about how, how, uh, you know, what that situation meant to all of us. And I said, Dave, you know, we are the, we are the ones that people will listen to. We have, you have people, you know, you have a platform and I have a platform and we, we can talk to people and we need to say something as a music community. If we don't say anything, no, you know, it, it shows that we are really, we're blinding ourselves. We're blinded by, you know, our, our popularity, our base or whatever. And I called a friend of mine and I said, well, I really want to write this song. This is a conversation that should be had with every musician. And uh, I became really like, like, how can I say, um, spirited, you know, uh, fervently, you know, uh, uh, sort of fervently spirited about sending this message out there, you know, and calling on some of my friends. Jeffrey Osborne was one of them that came Gladly, Mesa and, Can and Candy Dolph, a lot of people came and supported the, the song, but we wanted to do it more of an unplugged version of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but uh, again, the sentiment and the, and, and the tone for me is to, is to always make, make that statement of this is what's happening in the world. You know, this is really, it's the same, uh, 
uh, when I wrote with Tommy Sims, we wrote When Love Comes In. I, I had no idea that there'd be so many people who would have died during the pandemic. So I think the record covered so much ground. And I worked with uh, Russell Ferrante from Yellow Jackets, and we did a piece in Shelter. Uh, I felt it was a it was it was such a beautiful piece of music, a calming moment just for all of us is to be locked in lock in lockdown, but in a place where we can reflect, come together, you know, work together, help each other, which we did. I think mm-hmm. in the, the pandemic kind of made all of us musicians come together a little bit more to help each other out, you know. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes it's. Uh, it takes it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to to and and it kind of you kind of feel alone when you step out into that place where you speak truth yeah to power you know yeah. there's nobody but you in that place where you're standing and saying what you're saying you know yeah. you also have Keb Mo on this yes album as well you know I think yes. about about our our mutual buddy uh, Gerald Albright and the collaborations <laughs> that you've done. You know, yes, the years. Yes. Talk to me about how Keb came in in this uh, project. Well, I thought it was it was genius that Marcus called Keb. He told me, "Simpson, I think you know, we got a you got a number on Keb." I said, "No, I don't have a number. I could get a number on Keb. No, I know who works with him." So he said, "I think it'd be great to have Keb on the song because it just has a different um, compared to all the other tunes." Uh, there's two songs that Marcus wrote, um, uh, "Silver Rain" and and uh, uh, but there's another piece, but this one just had a different, um, it had a different emotion about it. You know, it was about the pandemic. It was about the thousands of people that died. And, uh, my friend, Tommy Simmons, uh, he was, uh, I waited months for him to finish his song. I was like, man, when are, when are we going to get something to, to record? But, um, the lyric is, is so deep. I mean, and I think. Keb Mo brings this incredible maturity to the message, explaining the message, you know, um, and it's a it's a really powerful tune. Yeah. You also you mentioned Silver Rain. It, it's got a reggae twist to it. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes you know, yes. you know, I think about what you've been able to do again throughout your career and, and Afro beats and kind of international music is very popular now. Right, right. You've been kind of uh, trumpeting that for a long time. <laughs> Give me a sense of how you get people to understand that really at the end of the day, great music is great music. That's true, true, true. That's true. I've been doing it, you know, I've, I've been sort of uh, trumpeting it for a long time, even at home uh, when our country was divided, you know, there was a lot, a, a lot of radio was American music and, mm-hmm. and British music. You know, there wasn't a lot of African music on radio. So I felt like I, I was like the one who got away and, and, and decided to do, you know, do my own thing. But if you see it now, man, music from Lagos, music from, from, uh, from, from the Congo, from mm-hmm. everywhere, from South Africa, the grooves are incredible. The beats that are coming from, from all of, all over Africa is amazing. And so to, and it's, it's, you know, I guess where I'm at now and say 20 years ago, ha- had this happened 20 years ago, it would be, you know, a different place. I would be in a different place. Mm-hmm. But I'm just excited that the generation today, when I go back to South Africa every year, I hear incredible music, man. Just young people who's 
ability to, to put Afro music. And I always say when I'm there, I say, you know, we can't all go to America, but you know what? But maybe we can make America come to us. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's keep our chops up. Let's really mm -hmm. just try to keep our chops up. And I'm, I'm involved. I'm going to be involved with um, about 26 countries uh, in South Africa, you know, um, uh, on an ambassador level, talking about bringing South African music and all of, from all of, of the regions of Namibia, wherever, into America. So I'm, I'm really like uh, excited that even because the world's getting smaller, you know, we, mm -hmm. we're talking mm -hmm. about Zoom now. Uh, it, we can make music and we can, if we cannot get them, if we cannot get the world to come to us, maybe uh, we, if we can all go there, we can maybe let them come and hear what we got to say. Did, did you have to make a conscious decision? I, I think about when lies hit so big for you and then yeah. Sarah, Sarah, and you, yeah. you could have continued and said, I'm only going to do that kind of music. You could have yes. done straight R&B in it without yes. kind of, keeping your roots alive in your music. Yeah. Was that, yeah. what, did you have a moment you had to think about that? Do you know what? I think deep down inside, I had, I was always wrestling with my faith too, you know, because mm -hmm. I was very young. I got married young. I was 21 or 22 when I got married. I had my first child and moved to London and drive records, lies, all that stuff came out. And, um, but I always loved jazz. I always loved guitar and stuff, you know. And and for a minute there, I I I don't think Jive Records actually believed or imagined that lies would go platinum. You know, I would be nominated for a Grammy. They thought they would sign me and it would make a couple of sell a couple of records and that'll be it. So they had no idea. They didn't. They couldn't imagine. They saw Africans too. You know, that own the company. So it turned out that lies, you know, here I am on Johnny Carson, BET, and I'm, I'm on all these, you know. And then at the same time, I'm sort of a young Christian, just became a young Christian. I sort of, I sort of came out of the drugs and, and, and heavy drugs and drug cartel dealers playing for them and mm -hmm. leaving South Africa. And, and uh, so I was on a clean path. Lies comes along, and now I've got all this success, and you know I'm on tour with Whitney Houston, and um, but the more songs and albums I wrote, the more I kind of um, I wasn't, you know. There's some songs I I really don't want to sing no more, <laughs> <laughs> but there's songs like Lies I still do. Mm -hmm. Sarah, I have to, you know, take good care of me. Mm -hmm. I hear them yelling it out, you know. And, you know, the, the one song that they yell out a lot mostly is like, can you sing Falling in Love with Jesus? You know, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. like, I had no idea. But it was, it was Clive Calder who said, you know, hey, you know, pop music is fickle. You know, R&B music is, 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 it has a long life. Jazz has a long life. And if you want to do something else, if you want to, you know, I can see you doing, I would love for you to do a record that kind of uh, is an instrumental project. Mm -hmm. So um, so the first one was instrumental. Then After Lies, I did a record called uh, uh, With More Than Friends and Sarah Sarah. And then Heal Our Land came and, and um, Deliverance came. And then I sort of, you know, departed from R&B completely. There was a departation for me to go out of that, 
you know, and not, and then come back around into the world of smooth jazz, which I had no idea that I was going to be called a smooth jazz artist <laughs> or the, the, you know, jazz guitarist, uh, Jonathan Butler, you know, and I, and I'm like right behind me, all these gold records. I was, when I, when I was a kid singing. So yeah. I've, I've always had to kind of accept both dual careers as so to speak. What's what's being famous? We should note in your in South Africa, you, you know, you started performing at like six or seven first record deal. I think twelve, thirteen. Yeah, so you've been yeah. famous uh, your entire life, essentially. Yes. Um, you know what what has that been for you? Because at some point, particularly when you start that young, you have to find a a, a grounding, if you will. Yes. Or, or usually it's off the deep end. You mentioned you know you were going off. Was yeah. it your faith that brought you back? Yeah, it, it was my faith that brought me back. I mean, I, I grew up in a family that really, you know, look, my mother sold alcohol to keep us, you know, to feed us. You know, my father didn't work. You know, uh, we lived in a shack, you know, mm -hmm. we lived in a three bedroom shack uh, with a toilet for outhouse toilet. You know, um, when I started singing at age five, uh, I, I I realized now I was talking to my older sister uh, this year, she's 81. And she said, you know, like you, I started working for mom when I was 14 and, and you worked for mom since you were five <laughs> and mom depended on me so much that whenever I went out to a, to a party, mom would come and find me so that I could wake up and go to work. So life was really a challenge for me, for all of us, the butlers. And when I became famous, you know, that was, I enjoyed the popular, I enjoyed the attention, um, but you know, the money was, that was, that wasn't something I could hold on to. That mm -hmm. wasn't sort of, uh, uh, you know, I, I, there was no never, never land for me. It was like, it belonged to my mom. It belonged to my brothers, my sisters, my niece. They all lived on the shack. And, um, and there also came discouragement. I also became, I think the years that I started really getting heavy into drugs, those were the years of discouragement where, you know, I realized I didn't have anybody to encourage me. Mm -hmm. There was nobody to help me f figure out life, especially having been molested on in show business at the age of, you know, five, six, you know, all those years. And my brother, to this day, when I told him uh, in February, I said, "Man, you know, this is this is these are the things that happened to me under your nose, you know, when we were touring." Mm -hmm. And he said, "I never knew that this was happening to you." I said, "Well, I lived with this for a long, long time, you know." Mm -hmm. So for me, I still money. I still don't have sort of a appreciate. I, I appreciate being sixty years old and still doing gigs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I never had, I was never taught to sort of be diligent about finances and money. It, it always belonged to other people. What, what, what the reward I get is the testimonies of people telling me that their lives are changed and different because they heard me sing this song or they, they touched because I said something, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before I let you go, man, let me ask you about, because you're on tour this summer as well. Yes. Yes. Um, you are, and I, I, I say this uh, not because you're on uh, this, this show right now, but truly you are one of my favorite live performers. There's a joy, I think, that you bring 
in your performance. You know, some people, it, no knock on them, but it is a gig. They come out, they do it, they go. Yes. And it's rope to them. You know, it's yes. like, okay, right. let me sing this. Let me right. sing this. I, right. I have seen you on numerous occasions, and each time there seems to be at least, either you're a hell of an actor or it's real, <laughs> uh, there seems to be a true joy yeah. in what you uh, receive from, you know, from the audience. Is that fair? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much alive. I'm pretty much like a, a giddy kid, you know. I think I'm the 61-year-old kid that never, never stopped loving what he does and what he was given to do. And, uh, and the humor, my sense of humor comes from my family. Mm -hmm. um, never taking myself serious. You know, I think it's, it's one of the things that I've learned for myself. It's like, even if I have a bad note or a bad gig, it's like, I never take it seriously. I feel like my heart is all to, I, I, I told people all the time, I said, I live to see people happy. That's what I live for. I live to want to make people happy. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful to get paid, you know, as well. But what you see is real. I mean, I love music. Genuinely, genuinely love music. If you were, if I could turn this thing around, you'll see this house is like a lab full of instruments. <laughs> and, uh, and I was just looking up an old guitar that I just had from 18th century, who the builder was. I, I'm truly in love with it, man. Mm -hmm. I think this, you know, I don't have many options, you know. I my mother used to say, "Either you'll be a preacher, or uh, but you were born to sing." So I, I just know that this is all I know. It's all I know. Well, we appreciate, uh, and I have appreciated for a long time the gift that you bring us, man. And it is always great to talk to you. Congratulations on the new project, and I will thank tell you, everybody who loves music. Thank you, pick man. It up. Man, I appreciate it, and good seeing you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Again, Jonathan Butler's new album, Ubuntu, is out now. One Hundred is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.